Welcome to the podcast for pet carers. If you're a pet parent or work in the pet care industry, then this is the podcast for you. Our show is about all things pet care, discussing everything from cats and kittens, dog training, pet nutrition, boarding, grooming, daycare, and much more. Join us fortnightly as our host and dog trainer extraordinaire, Glenn Cook, chats with leading pet industry professionals. Welcome back to the podcast for pet carers. I'm the host of the show, Glenn Cook, and today I'm really excited to bring in an industry colleague and great friend of mine, an expert in cats. Would you please welcome Jules DeSantos? Hello, Glenn. Thank you for having me. Hi, Jules. How have you been? I've been very well. How about you? Busy as always? Busy as always. It's really unusual to ask that question sometimes when you're doing a podcast and you've just had a pre-chat before the show, <laughs> <laughs> but we've got to do it for the audience to introducing the show properly. Yeah, no, I understand. So you've been busy and well? Busy and well, yeah. It's the same yeah. for everybody in the pet care industry, especially now that COVID has ended. We've all seen like a sudden resurgence of everybody fleeing the country to go on holidays that they've been missing out on like the last two and a half years. Yes, it's like jailbreak, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's nice to see some waiting lists return. Um, sad for some of our clients, though, who almost weren't expecting to have to be placed on a waiting list. But uh, it's good to see some of those clients returning to their families overseas and having those long summer holidays in Europe. Absolutely. I think the word jailbreak describes it perfectly because we were seeing the same sort of thing, like suddenly it's nothing and you're balancing which staff will get a shift that day and just working on minimums. I think the lucky thing for us was that we could do daycare and there was a lot Mm -hmm. of daycare that we could change from the boarding sector. So how did that affect the catteries at that point in time, Jules? Emotionally, it was really difficult. And as an employer to see your staff struggling um, for shifts and trying to deliver those shifts. But I was lucky in a side industry that I had rescue. So one thing I was able to do was fill my accommodation with rescue cats. It gave my staff some purpose, a reason to come to work. If anything, we were quite busier during those peak rescue times than what we were before. There was an enormous uptake in rescue. So I had a collaboration with the Cat Protection Society, but I also founded my own charity, the Ninth Life Foundation, rescuing old cats and unwanted cats, which unfortunately had a big uptake and gave us a a nice, meaningful purpose to come to work. That's fantastic. Just before Mm. we continue on, how do people find that charity and how do they help support it if they want to get on board and donate if that's possible? Oh, thank you, Glenn. Yes, yeah, so it's called the Ninth Life Foundation. We have a website, www.ninthlifefoundation.org. We're very fortunate to have a wonderful ambassador, Kitty Flanagan, who's just jumped on board with us. But of course, donations are always needed, especially given that we rescue old cats. So a lot of them have got quite high care high needs, medical issues, and are also very difficult to adopt. So if anyone's looking for a golden oldie, they make the most wonderful pets. We've got about 12 rescues in the organisation at the moment. And uh, so, yeah, certainly get in touch. Our email address is info at ninthlifefoundation.org. Well, that's absolutely fantastic because we talk a lot about dog rescue, but not really a lot about cat rescue at all. That's one reason why I founded my own charity. 
there's a lot of rescue organisations that deal a lot with kittens and young cats. More and more I was hearing, what do I do with my old cat when people pass away? or when they can no longer care for their old cat. So that was my main objective, is to try to give a soft place for those golden oldies. And in the lap of luxury, in one of my luxury cat hotels. <laughs> so it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. And I think it's a rarity to see, well, maybe to me, because I'm more involved in the dog side of things, which is where I wanted to sort of take this because it's an absolute honour and privilege for me to be able to interview you because this is the very first time I've interviewed anybody about cats. Because this podcast focuses on pet carers in the industry and general public who want to learn about pet care and what they what to expect, what to do, where to go, who to speak to, because there's information out there, but sometimes that information can get lost in the grandeur of the internet sometimes. And Sometimes mm. people can get onto somebody who claims to be an industry expert and end up speaking to somebody who's got an enthusiastic person who's got very little knowledge, lovely people, but they just don't have adequate experience in the field and time in the saddle of taking care of said pets. So being the very first time I've actually got to speak to somebody about cats, I thought I'd go to the top of the tree and speak to you. Jules, in doing so, I'd really like to talk to you about your business. You just mentioned it in brief before about a luxury cat hotel. It's called Divine Creatures. I've been there myself. It's absolutely fantastic. Tell us about it and tell us about the vision, the project and how you got started and why you did it. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Glenn. There is even the qualifications in pet behaviour. When you qualify in Australia for pet behaviour, you qualify on both species. And there's very few industry professionals who deal specifically and only with cats. And I found a niche in cats. I found that there was a lot of beautiful places such as yours at Pet Resort Australia who deal with dogs. Um, but there was very few that care primarily for cats. So where I started my career as a veterinary nurse, I started 20 odd years ago. I was later working in emergency veterinary nursing at a specialist hospital. And I started seeing quite a few cats getting sick by subminimal facilities, all being cared for by their friends or their neighbours. And the feedback from these owners were that they couldn't find anywhere that was nice, uh, inverted brackets, nice for cats to holiday. And that made me start to investigate. This was 11 years ago, 12 years ago started researching the market and it was true there was very few places that were cat only luxury holidays with the professionalism behind it so the veterinary nursing qualities behind it and the cat psychology behind it so I designed all my own accommodation with cat welfare in mind I really analyzed what makes a cat happy Mm. And everything that I do is to not deliver a promise to the owner, it's to deliver a promise to the cat. Mm. And I like to associate myself as the voice for cats, not what the owner is sort of demanding. And some of those demands are almost unreasonable or would compromise cat welfare. And an example of that, one of the requests that I get is to mix cats in together. And a lot of boarding facilities do mix cats in together. And so my professional opinion on that is that it is severely compromising cat welfare and won't make cats happy. 
So that's where I came up the concept with Divine Creatures um, and later my, my second luxury hotel up at the Central Coast, um, making sure that every cat has a safe and loving catified cat holiday. <laughs> I just want to jump in on there just on something you said before because I think there's a little bit to unpack on that one. In regards to mixing cats, for Pet Resorts Australia, that's a big no-no. We just absolutely do not do that unless it's cats from the same family and they want to be in together. So even then, we do have a caveat every now and then where people say, look, I don't know if my cats would like to board together. I'd like to book two rooms, which is good. And we like to speak to people about those same sort of things. We do socially dog board, but not with cats. Having cats myself, I've got a Burmese and I've always had cats in the family. We've had you know, a lot of the oriental breeds growing up. I've seen cats of ours coming home from after cat fights with horrendous cysts, mm. you know, like infected pockets of pus and everything like that from just being clawed. And people don't understand and they should be more wary of that because it only takes one strike from a cat into another one and all of a sudden you've got some severe infections going on there which can be life-threatening at the same time. Our cats have... The cats that we've had in the past when they've been out tomcatting and so forth just in in the area, you know, and this is back in the day where people were a bit more blasé about cats and dogs roaming and so forth. But seeing that it's quite distressing and it's certainly something that we don't want to see in a facility as well. So social cat boarding with other families for us is something that we certainly don't encourage. Absolutely. It's a big no-no. And it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, your cat got injured. Only 2% of cats will initiate a fight. And that's when their welfare is in the red zone of being compromised. And cats only have two modes, fight or flight. Mm. So the fact that a cat has gotten into that fight zone would have meant that they were in a terror zone. And that, for me, as a cat psychologist, really saddens me. I guess physical harm is one aspect, but it's actually quite rare. It's emotional harm that I am most frightened of um, with mixing cats in together. Physical harm, as you mentioned, abscesses, but also feline AIDS. Mm. That's a condition that your cat can contract for the rest of their life and compromise their health. I find that a lot of the cats that I board who've come from a facility where they've grouped house such as this, their mental welfare is evident. They come in in almost a shutdown mode as if they know what's going to happen and are terrified. And then slowly to see them flourish over the few days where we really let them know that we're there to love and nurture and not hurt and harm and that they're safe in their um, individual environment. And it's lovely to see them flourish over time. Similarly, we've got a, an exercise room that's individual. So we never mix cats in together into that exercise room. But it's only for the cats that are ready to go into that room. So, again, we've got owners that say, I want my cat to have jungle gym every single day. But if the cat's not ready and they've had a bad previous boarding experience, it may take them several days or even weeks to come out. So we really listen to the cats and where they're at within their holiday experience. That's a really good point, Jules. And I think something, once again, that needs to be opened up a little further is that it comes from a good place. It doesn't come from a bad place. They it want does. the best for their cat or their dog yeah. in any any of these sort of situations where they're coming into a boarding or cattery environment. 
But the thing is, is they'll be insistent on my dog must play and it must socialise with other dogs or mm. my cat must go into this ginormous room and have fun and interactive exercise every day. But the problem is, as you said, if the cat is unaware of that space and that location, there are times where the cat will just hide in a box in a corner. And I guess sometimes people don't understand is cats aren't as easy to look after as what people imagine they are. People just think, oh, you know, I'll open a cattery. It's just going to be really easy. It's quiet. You know, they don't bark and make all that noise. It's just going to be simple. They put cats in tiny little boxes right next to each other, which is just a terrifying Mm -hmm. and scary experience for some cats because they're not acknowledged and it's not known that they're being bullied by the cat next door to them and, and the person who's doing it doesn't understand that. They don't see the cat shut down. They don't see the cat not eating well. They don't see the cat not urinating, which again, you know, like Mm. causes a bunch of problems. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't got Mm -hmm. somebody who's intuitive and looking into those sort of aspects, you've got big problems on your hand. You've got a cat that's already starting to get kidney issues and so forth. So there is just a cascade of events that take place that aren't seen to the untrained eye. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Glenn, where people do perceive cats as easier to care for. Perhaps in the home environment, they might be because Mm. you don't need to walk them. They don't need as much social interaction. They are solitude animals, but you take them out of that environment. One thing that I love about cats that people don't really understand if you haven't been a cat owner is actually how emotional they can be. Mm. And one slight change even to their home environment and as a cat psychologist this is something that I see all the time a slight change to that environment and all of the above that you mentioned eating drinking urinating defecating and primarily their demeanor can start to shut down and you can get a cat that becomes very sick very quickly Mm. again we see this in sub-minimal boarding facilities or unqualified cat sitters or the mum and dad that comes in and feeds the cat once or twice mm. a day or even a week. I've heard of a, a few cases where they've got a neighbour to come in just a couple of times a week. And this poor cat is left home alone in their environments, feeling extremely unsettled. And that's why I'm very pro cat boarding facilities mm. as opposed to the cat staying at home without their family. They do feel abandoned they can start to shut down even quicker staying at home alone. And you do have an untrained eye. So is that cat actually going to the bathroom once or twice a day? That can lead to a very sick cat very quickly. That whole aspect of having like a pet alone, especially cats where people get told, you know, like just leave enough food out for them and they'll graze and you know, change their litter once every week or something like that. Like that just sickens me, to be honest. Most of the cats that I have experience with, they're very proud and they're very clean, you know, and having a filthy, dirty, urine-soaked litter box, how horrible would that be? Well, we wouldn't like it, would we? Absolutely not. Yeah, and I think cats as well, they're much more fedacious when it comes to the litter tray. Again, I think people come from a really good place. They Mm. think that it's going to be more beneficial for their cat and their dog to stay in their um, own home environment. I think what people forget is their environment isn't the physical aspect of it. It's the emotional aspect of their environment. It's sitting on their owner's lap on the couch. When you remove the owner and you're getting essentially a stranger to come into that territory, and as you mentioned, not properly clean a litter tray, then you're going to start to get some behaviour problems as well as physical problems, which I, I often... 
uh, see the aftermath of this where cats then start to inappropriately urinate or they get very sick. They end up at the emergency hospitals. Mm. Jules, being a cat psychologist and somebody who's had extensive experience, like 20 years in vet nursing, owning your own business and so forth, what are some of your big tips for caring for cats? It's a great question because it's actually quite simple. (laughs) Caring for cats, it doesn't take much to keep them happy. And the number one is what we've just discussed is a clean litter tray. Mm -hmm. It sounds so basic, doesn't it? Mm. But one of the number one things to making a cat happy is to make sure that their bathroom is cleaned. So I always recommend using a natural litter product, Mm -hmm. something like a paper pellet or a sawdust pellet. If I could ban crystal litters, I would be a very happy person because that can often cause some behaviour problems. Crystal litters are very synthetic and they're spiky. They don't feel nice on the cat's paws. So, again, that can cause a litter tray aversion. Keeping a nice, clean litter, literally completely changing the litter twice a day and not using over-scented you know, those nice smelly litters. Um, Cats just don't like that. Cats like to urinate in a garden. Not that I'm advocating outdoor cats, but this is back to basic innate behaviours to keep that litter tray as natural as possible. It's probably one of the number one things that's going to keep your cat happy. And then for the owner, what the owner can do is to get into a nice play feed groom routine i'm all about routines and so are cats so Mm. they like to sleep for 16 hours of the day believe it or not (laughs) wouldn't that be nice and they groom for four to six hours a day but one thing that they do really enjoy again an innate behavior is to play so they often go and hunt their food and then they eat their food and then they'll groom straight after. So if the owner can mimic that and replicate that in the environment, especially the play, and I'm sure you, Glenn, you probably see this very often with dogs. People will often walk their dog, but you're not entertaining that dog or cat's mm. brain. There's so mm. much evidence on, especially in relation to learning a new skill, like if it's connected to play, the uptake of knowledge is extensively higher. And it's the same thing for us. Like if we do certain activities that are fun and memorable, the retention rate is considerably higher once again. And the same thing with sleep, the importance of adequate sleep. Like there's a great book that I recommend people read time and time again, which I fully digested through the recommendation of a friend called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. But it's not just about humans, it's about all species. It's the importance of getting proper sleep and the healthiness behind it. Good sleep, good diet and clean litter box and play associated behaviours, they just have such an overwhelming... Mental health benefit. Yeah, mental Mm. health benefit, absolutely. That's one of my basic principles in life is energy in, energy out. Mm. And if you can absolutely feed your cat a good quality diet, that again is going to help with longevity. Cats out in the wild, their mean average lifespan is seven years, whereas we're seeing cats live 15 plus years. Mm. My oldest border was 23 years old wow he was as fit as a fiddle i've seen cats half his age not as physically well i guess glenn you mentioned you've got burmese Mm -hmm. and burmese is a fine example of a very emotional cat that can get incredibly bored so Mm. something that i see with burmese is they get a condition called pika 
where they eat inappropriate objects, so toys and fabrics and uh, juvenile behaviours and things like that. So getting a cat like, well, I believe every cat should play, uh, but interactive play. So don't not just give them a mouse and expect them to play with that on their own. There are a lot of interactive plays that you can get them physically moving mm. and engage with the owner. It's something that, you know, you play with your dog, you play with your children, you play with friends and your partners, play with your cat. And ultimately what you're going to be doing is having a much more calmer cat at the end of it. You're going to expend some of that energy satisfy their need for prey and play and have a much more balanced cat. Cats tend to not have a problem with sleep. Uh, they, <laughs> they can, they've certainly got that down pat. <laughs> yes. But one of the complaints that I get from owners is that cats keeping them up at night. Now that can be quite a controversial topic. I do think that if your cat does keep you up at night, your sleep must prevail. And if that means that your cat isn't allowed in your bedroom, then that is an approach that you should you should be taking to try to break that behaviour or getting them into a good play routine before bedtime, expend some of that energy and have a good night's sleep for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard the same sort of thing, but not only with cats, but also with dogs as well, where people have invited them into the bedroom, but they allow shenanigans to take place where in those sort of situations, I think what people need to do is exercise a concept called negative punishment, where Mm -hmm. that is if they won't settle in the bedroom, then they get taken out and they get put in another place as a lesson to them that if you want to be in here, this is where we sleep. It's not play hour and it's not play time. So you come in here, we go to bed and that's it. Otherwise you lose the privilege of being in this location. Absolutely. And cats and dogs will learn very quickly, but owners have got to follow through. Yes, they do. So you don't put the dog or the cat out on night one and then break that negative punishment on night two Mm. or sometimes even reinforce it. I've had owners go and feed the cat in the middle of the night to stop it from meowing. Yeah, exactly right. You're just positively reinforcing that behaviour. And then it's very difficult to break. Recently, Narelle and I got a Rottweiler puppy called Mando. He's such an anomaly when it came to him being rowdy in the night as a young puppy. Like we got him and we set up an area for him and we thought, oh, it's going to be two weeks of hell because we usually call it the hell weeks when you get the puppies and they're unsettled. They've just left the litter and they're alarmed (laughs) and frustrated and frightened about what's going on. We took a towel from the breeder with all the scent of the other puppies. We set it up in his run. We did a a bunch of everything that we thought we're going to do to try and minimize that. Put him in there. He went straight to sleep, not a noise until early in the morning and then barely made a noise, just came out and started playing. And he's done that literally every day. And I mean, it's so unusual to have a puppy do those sort of things. So we've had cats before, uh, kittens that have done the same sort of thing, you know, like they've come home and people think, oh, it's a cat. It's not going to make much noise, but they get startled. They're young babies. It's Mm. a new environment. They're away from their mother. They're away from the litter. They're away from the person who brought them up for the first eight weeks of their life. How old do kittens have to legally be before they can be homed? I recommend 10 weeks. 10 weeks. Uh, but they're often eight weeks old when they're, they're rehomed. If the mother is round, um, then certainly that, that 10 week is more beneficial. Mm-hmm. If you're in a rescue, then the eight weeks. In saying that, um, the younger the cat, kitten, the more I recommend a second cat. Um, so or getting 
a sibling or a bonded pair, um, I, I always recommend to reduce all those behaviours that you just mentioned. And you did everything that we would do with the with the kitten, those scent swapping, delivering a, a calm environment, using Feliway, just adopting a really calm, nurturing environment is going to significantly reduce that anxiety on night one to 14. Jules, tell people about Feliway. Feliway, I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, Feliway is a wonderful product. And what it is, it's a replica of the facial pheromone. So when a cat rubs their face up on an inanimate object or they'll rub their face up on you, you'll also notice if you rub your cat's cheeks or chin, they seem to really enjoy it. And what they're doing is they're leaving a scent onto your hand or the object. And that's an appeasing pheromone. It's a calming pheromone as mm. well. And Feliway is a replica, but a synthetic version of those feel good, feel happy pheromones that a cat releases. The cat can release a number of different pheromones. So positive, all the way to territorial and also negative. So inappropriate urination is actually a, a negative scent and a negative pheromone. So from one third of the body up, they're all positive, nice pheromones. Cats also release territorial pheromones from their feet when they scratch scratching posts. And that's why I really advocate scratching posts, again, to keep your cat happy at home. It releases all those things that they need to do in the wild and um, sharpen their claws and mark their territory. So if you are traveling or your cat is going to have an unsettling time, it's going to the vet even, or you have a new baby, renovating, changing furniture. I've had behaviour consults where a cat has become mentally unstuck, <laughs> per se, just from an owner getting completely new furniture. And he became very emotionally distressed, started vocalising and howling in the middle of the night, and then spraying mm. um, on walls just from new furniture. So Feliway Away can help reduce and calm all of that environment, especially in those first 14, 14 days. Or if you're getting a new cat as well, it can almost trick the old resident cat that the new cat is a nice, friendly cat. That's a whole new topic that uh, will take a long time to discuss. Yeah, well, maybe we can get you back at some stage to discuss some of these other advanced behavioural problems in cats because it's not often spoken about. It isn't. And for me, it's quite sad as a rescue organisation. It's one of the number one reasons why people will surrender a cat in the first place mm. because they're not getting on with their, the new cat isn't getting on with their resident cats. They haven't implemented the technique and it, it's a it's a routine it's quite simple to follow. So it's a number one reason for rescue, but it's also a number one reason for return of an adoption. Mm -hmm. So we call it an unsuccessful adoption where they haven't listened to the guidelines. They gave up too early. And then that poor cat gets back into the, to the system and the cycle uh, adopted time and time again, which is quite sad. Jules, just a question around that. Listening to you discussing that, it's triggered a few questions in my mind and one in particular because I don't know the answer to this myself I would assume it being involved in canine psychology and behavior but with cats do they have a similar critical period than dogs that 6 to 16 week window or is it different in cats 
No, it's similar. Yes, it is. Six six to 16 weeks. Sometimes it can take longer, though. Mm -hmm. I think nothing is set in stone. It really depends on the parents, the environment that that animal has previously come from, how patient the new environment is. So that's, I guess, a a guideline of what to expect of when to have a cat settle into their new environment. But sometimes it can certainly take longer. I've had some cats take nine months to settle into their new environment. Yep. Speaking of, I think we've got a cat settling into his litter box behind you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's that witchy now. (laughs) He's a happy cat. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, that's good. Just on top of that question and in regards to the critical period of development, how would you best recommend that people prepare their pet cat better for life to be able to endure the stresses of going to a new environment such as a pet care facility and so forth? And I say that with integrity. I don't mean that the cat is going to be so stressed, but I mean, anytime you change environment, humans, cats, any other species, anytime they change environment, it's always met with a level of stress. When we go to a new location, when we meet new people, et cetera, et cetera. And it's because of the social work we learn with our parents, our spiritual leaders, our schools, whoever it is, Mm. that we learn how to accommodate those new surroundings much better. How would you, as a cat specialist, recommend that people do that with their cats? Because people don't really talk about socializing or the importance of socializing cats because it's a minimized effect compared to dogs out in public. You don't see the same thing with cats until it comes time to put them in a pet care facility. Yes, absolutely. Well, desensitization is the key. Mm -hmm. That's one aspect and probably one of my number one recommendations. Every time cats often get a fear of the cat carry cage, And that's predominantly because every time you put a cat in a cat carry cage, they go to the vets and have a very negative experience with going to the vets. I sometimes get owners take their cats to the vet the day of boarding, so in the morning, Mm -hmm. or the week before. And so they've got a very fresh negative experience of being in the cat carry cage. And they'll make that association directly with that cat carry cage. Mm -hmm. They'll often then develop fears of the car uh, because the cage goes into the car and they know at the end of that car journey they're going to get a thermometer up their bum Mm -hmm. or, or or a needle, a painful experience. So desensitizing your cat to the cat carry cage will help them settle into any new environment, but particularly a boarding facility. And you can do that by, A, don't put the cat carry cage away. Leave it out all the time. It's an essentially a crate training experience. So you can feed them their high-quality treats such as chicken, prawns, smoked salmon if they're lucky. Mm -hmm. In the crate, whatever their high-quality treat is in their crate, leave it out. And if you can't leave it out all the time, then certainly a few weeks before they need to go into boarding, leave that out and, and develop a positive association. But similarly, you can put the cat carry cage in your car and just do a short trip. So they come home, receive a high-quality treat as soon as they come home, and they'll start to break down that fear response of the, of the carrier. Number two, you just hit the nail on the head with a spiritual leader and owners are the cat's spiritual leader. And as I've mentioned time and time again, is that cats are incredibly emotional. We can't communicate with the cat, but what the cat can pick up on is our energy. Mm. 
So one of the number one things that I teach my staff is energy. And I literally mean take a deep breath in, come to a really low energy before you go in and care for a cat that's in a fear response or showing signs of being stressed, pushing out that energy that I'm just here to love and nurture you. I'm not here to hurt and harm you. And they'll be able to pick up on that nurturing energy. But this starts with the owner. And something that I see quite regularly is very stressed owners for a number of reasons. They're going away on holiday. They haven't packed the car yet. The kids are just about to come home from school. It's just disorganisation. Mm. So bringing in the cat the day before or even a few days before you start to pack so that you're in a nice, calm frame. I really recommend that the owners put their cat into their accommodation. So a lot of boarding facilities don't allow this or permit this. I think it really helps the cat settle into that environment. So the owner is putting them into that room. The owner remains calm. They're not crying. They're not overly anxious. I think the owners do feel a very heightened separation anxiety with their cat when Mm. they go away on holiday, and that is only going to be detrimental to that cat. So if they can remove that separation anxiety so that they're pushing out that positive energy, again, it will be one of the number one things that will help that cat settle in quicker, eat quicker, go to the bathroom quicker and have a pleasant time, which ultimately is what the owner would would like so they're my top two tips on getting a cat prepared for for a cattery and then of course do your research Mm -hmm. make sure that you are comfortable with that cattery that they have come with good reviews and good recommendations know innately that that's a that's a good high quality well-established facility and that knows what they're doing yeah that's sage advice. I think that's absolutely great. And it's something that I encourage, like in our pet care facilities with our staff, I try and encourage them to do the same sort of thing is whenever you're interacting, and it should be the same thing with people as well. It's like a reflection. You often get back what you put out. It's the same thing with dogs. There's a phrase that I used in dog training, which I coined positive first. And it should be that the animal receives a positive first interaction with you. And where this came from is because I live on site at a pet care facility, which is, does both dogs and cats, a lot of the times during the night when there's dogs in and they're distressed or something's happened and I have to go down and meet them, the first time they see me is the first time they've met me. So if they come, if I go down there all grumpy and tired and put out, the dog doesn't see a happy, biddable human being. It sees somebody who is not in a best frame of mind. So I have to do the exactly the same thing as you recommended before. I have to clear myself. I have to realign how I feel. I have to go into the kennel and I have to put on, even if I'm acting, I still have to act. I have to act happy and I have to try and feel that as well because if the dog sees me come in stressed, that is not a pleasant interaction and it also generates a fear response from the dog. Absolutely. And it's been the same with cats before, you know, like I've gone in with cats who have seen me and being immediately frightened because I've ripped into the cattery to find out what's going on because I can hear a cat meowing quite loudly or anything like that. And I think, well, that's unusual. I should go and check it. So I go and check Mm -hmm. it. And because I wisp in there, the cat kind of thinks, wow, who's this entity that's just rushed into the space? And that's why I think it's absolutely sage advice. It practices myself that I've come to observe and understand that that's not the best way to go into a new environment. I think it's really great to point it out and say it out loud, Jules, because 
a lot of people don't put some of these great practices into place. They don't teach their staff that. They teach their staff, come on, get busy, go, 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 you know, like get in there fast, get out fast, which is not the way to do it. The way, you know, like in pet care practices, pet care should be about making sure that pets are adequately cared for, that there is attention to detail. Are they clean? Do they have fresh water? Do they have appropriate and good quality food? Is their bedding clean? Is there enough there? There's a lot of questions that need to be asked in that realm. Absolutely. And slow things down. I think that's a really, really important point that you just mentioned. Slow things down, take the extra time, take just five, 10 minutes every hour and give each animal a bit of love. Yep. And so many boarding facilities miss that vital aspect of pet care to rub their chin, release those pheromones, play with the dog, not just when the owners pay for it. It's those small, regular interactions with the staff. It's one of the things that I teach the staff in their three-month probation and training period is firstly, leave their bad day at home. Mm. And I mean that with all due respect. You know, if you've had a fight with your partner, leave it at that door. That animal doesn't want to feel it. They want to feel someone that's just there to love and nurture them. Same with owners. And I've even said it to some owners, as difficult as what it can be sometimes (laughs) to pull them up on it. And I've, I've said, look, I'm sorry but I need you to stop crying. You're not helping your cat. And I understand that you're distressed. You can cry on my shoulder when we get to the reception counter, but right now your cat needs you to be in a much calmer frame. Mm. And I think dogs would pick up on that as well. You know, these over-anxious dog owners, they'll be, the dogs are there going, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Well, that's the thing with pets is that because they can't communicate and don't have the capability to do so like human beings do, they're very observant of micro-expressions. And even, you know, things mm. like crying and, and being hysterical are macro-expressions. They're very exuberant. So when you're in that state and you're dropping your cats and dogs off, as you said, you're bawling and you're hysterical and you're not putting on a a brave act for that point in time. Like by all means, get in the car and if you feel like you need to have a little cry about it, that's fine. And Mm. that's effectively why we do a lot of photos of pets, you know, like we do pup Mm. dates and cat dates and so forth where people can actually see what the cat's doing and see the cat sitting on the the lap of their pet nanny and so forth. They can actually have a bit of peace of mind. Now I can relax. I understand this myself. I've got a few special needs French bulldogs that when I go away, I just need to know that they're okay. And I'll message the staff and I feel relief when I see a picture of my dog, that they're happy, that they look the same as we left them, that they're interacted with and that they've had some attention to detail. That makes pet owners feel better about the situation. Like it relieves them of their guilt and they can finally enjoy their holiday. They can drop the stress of life and work and also you know, the fact that their pet is with some people who, if it's a first time, they're strangers to them and they just, they get assurance yes. that you appear to be loving our, our animal and respecting them and that's giving us peace of mind. Absolutely. And this is why we entered into pet care, isn't it? Mm. Because we understand it ourselves. We were once owners and still we are. never lose, we still are, mm. we always will be, of course. Uh, one of my key focuses that I've actually got on a poster in, in every category is never forget what it's like to be an owner. Oh, and I, I want like all that. of my staff to remember that. Oh, I like and that. And always put, yeah, always put yourself behind that counter. Think about that's you putting your fluff ball into that cage. How are you feeling? What are you going through? What can you do as 
the pet carer to give the owner a holiday as well because by releasing them and and assuring them that you are going to love and nurture that cat they're going to go away and have a much better peace of mind I'm just like you Glenn I've, I've done this a number of times it's actually one of the reasons why I started Divine Creatures was because I wanted somewhere to board my own cat mm. and have that peace of mind it's really really important some of the businesses not just pet care businesses that lose sight of that what it's like to be a customer yeah they're the ones that lose that customer service and we right now as a recovery of COVID, it has to be our number one focus we need to stop being so corporatized and be more small business get in touch with the clients and and deliver that high customer service this is what customers like myself um, I'm craving for that as well I'm moving more and more away from sending emails I want to get on the phone and call someone or I want to see a picture of fluffy on the end of the on their whole day absolutely hey Jules some absolutely sage advice as I said before I'd love to get you back so we can deep dive into a few other topics of cat behavior. I think that's a great place to start and leave it for now. I just want to thank you immensely for coming on and being my first cat expert that I've ever got to interview before. I've had some great chats with you in the past because we're friends and colleagues in the industry and so forth. I've been able to pick your brain. I've listened to your lecture at seminars before. I thought you did an absolutely incredible job when you did your presentation at one of the industry events several years back before COVID ruined everything for us. You know, it's people like you who really should be educating our public on cat behavior and cat care and so forth. So hopefully one day, if you haven't already, is that you'll do cat care courses or something online that people Mm. can actually come to you. Because I think if you ever, and not saying that you're going to do that, but if you ever leave this place and leave all that institutional knowledge in your head and not out there for people to learn by, I think it would be an incredible disadvantage for the population of cat owners and people who care for cats and cat businesses and so forth. So I really want to thank you. It's an honour and privilege to to get to pick your brain and learn about these sort of things. Even though it's a smaller part of our business, it's still an integral part of our business and there's a lot of businesses out there who will benefit from that as well. And especially the people who are out there doing at-home pet care services and stuff like that, there's some people out there who do an incredible job of it and there's other people who need to raise the bar considerably. Some of the people they employ need to be further educated, they need to learn Mm -hmm. more about it and they need to better respect the industry and the pets that they're going to care for. So, Jules, thank you incredibly. Before we leave, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Oh, firstly, Glenn, thank you so much. That was very, very kind of you to mention all of the above. You've certainly given me a bit of food for thought there. I have never considered feline courses. So, yeah, I think I'd definitely um, investigate that. Mm. And you two are incredibly well-renowned in the industry, and I've seen you present at seminars. I thought you were incredible and amazing. And one thing I found so incredible was to see you in your natural state and then to see you in a working state and... And the person, the persona you are when you work with your dogs was really remarkable and wonderful to see and a real privilege to um, to learn from you. And I've been one of your clients as well <laughs> for, for dog behaviour. You're incredibly knowledgeable. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. It's been a really lovely experience. So thank you for that. Uh, so you can get in touch with me directly, Jules, at luxurycatlodge.com.au or for the foundation that's jewels at ninthlifefoundation.org 
I'll make sure we put all that in the show notes too so people can find you and hopefully you'll get some people who will want to help you in your foundation. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity, Glenn. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much, Jules. And thank you for that lovely compliment too. You made me blush. <laughs> no, you're quite <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> thank you. All right. Will you enjoy the rest of your day? Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening once again to the podcast for Pet Carers. I'd like to thank our sponsors for the show, PetResortsAustralia.com and CanineEvolution.com.au. All the information can be found on our show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to sharing some information with another industry expert in our next episode. (laughs) 